Hinduism, very mythological, like those are actual spiritual beings. I've literally encountered these beings and people who don't even know who they are. You know, these entities are not just figments of the imagination. They're real. When you say they're real, what makes you say that? I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas. These things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Ideas Digest podcast where we explore challenging ideas outside of our echo chamber in order to open our minds, bring world peace to all people because don't you think people need to understand the, their enemy more? I do. I know they do. And I think if you're a friend of the show, you do as well. My name's Conrad. If you're new here, welcome. Welcome aboard the Open Minded Express. Came up with that one just recently. Disclaimer, the seats are not so comfortable and the ride's often a little bit bumpy. But if you sit on the train for long enough, I think we'll take you to some very interesting new locations. You know, ones outside your echo chamber. See how all these analogies just fit together. Anyway, I will stop doing that. And obviously, a super welcome to the super friends of the show. These are the people like me who naively believe that the world needs more conversations with people we disagree with. And they have gone to ideasdigest.org, signed up, supported the show, keeping me in business and going. They get the show ad-free. They get bonus content, extended conversations, and they get to see more of my opinions that I deliberately hide. You podcasting friends of the show, you get this, hopefully, well-curated bastion of Conrad on his high moral high horse. Let's be open-minded. Mm, let's understand these ideas we disagree with oh no 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 the super friends see another side of me uh, i don't know if, <laughs> if that's worth the money to them but so far so good so if you'd like to support the show you can become a super friend or you can just leave a review because reviews help our quest for clout the more clout we have the more reviews we have means the more clout we get the more clout we get the high profile guests because in this world of algorithms and status and instagram followers people will only talk to me if they look at me and go hey that's a guy with a lot of followers. I'm going to go talk to him. So you guys help me with that by leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can also help like very good friend of the show, Bex Triple C has sent through. She's helping actually save my dignity from pimping myself out to the algorithm that demands me to sacrifice nuance, context, make clickbaity controversial mm -hmm. things all the time. 
Bex is helping me fight this by, by sharing this podcast the old-fashioned way. She sent me a screenshot of a text. It says, of a text she sent to her pastor. And the text has a link to the recent episode we did with very good friend of the show, Billy. Great episode. That episode's called, Can You Understand a Pastor's Temptations in the Hedonistic Byron Bay? She has sent that link to her pastor saying, bring this lost lamb back. Now, I uh, did bleep a few C-bombs in that episode because I thought I like people being able to be honestly themselves and swear if that's how they communicate. That's, you know, it's, it's, that's fine. But I thought the C-bomb, a little bit too full on for many people. So I did bleep with that. So, I mean, hope your pastor's one of these cool non-judgmental pastors which they ought be if they've got the job so thanks Beck. so feel free to share this podcast with someone who'll love it or someone who'll hate it find an episode that will trigger somebody send it to them with a thoughtful text uh, and i'll read it out here on the show so thank you i'm glad billy's episode came up if you listen to that that was a journey of a guy named billy who was a church pastor conservative church pastor and he went on a journey of self-exploration ended up in byron bay hallucinogenics trying new things open relationships whatever it was he was given it a good good crack to find what's true now this week is the inverse of that it actually fits really perfectly together because i have an episode for you where a new friend of the show everett roth goes from being an atheist, Byron Bay, New Age, yoga, kundalini guy, like crystals in that space, into being a Trump-grade evangelical-type Christian. And I thought that journey was absolutely fascinating. So fresh off the back of the moral panic around Sam Smith's Grammy demonic performance where he's dressed in that red hat, red suit, and ladies dancing everywhere, a lot of people looked at that and went, that is demonic. How dare he's being provocative, all those sorts of things. I thought this word demonic is being thrown around a lot. And so I, th- I would like to explore that perspective of someone who looks at the world around them, looks at other religions, different traditions, certain Grammy performances and goes, that there is of the devil. Now, let, so let me introduce you to new friend of the show, Everett Roth. Now, if you are an astute listener of the show... I actually played a clip of Everett's YouTube channel when Matt and I were talking about demonic things. And in that clip, Everett's going, Kundalini yoga is of the devil. It's demonic. It's satanic. And so I played that clip on my show, but I also sent Everett an email saying, hey, mate, would love to have you on the show to explore this. So here is that conversation. Meet Everett. Everett, who are you and what do you do? Uh, so I work for a pastor here locally and uh, i live in washington state right now uh i'm in the ministry per se three years ago to say that would have been absolutely insane uh to think that i'm like a christian believing in the bible that i thought was a fairy tale and dogmatic religious kind of thinking on people suppressing their consciousness but I am a full believer, follower of Christ. I believe he's alive as we talk, that he hears this conversation, that he knows us deeply, created us. And my life's purpose is for people to come into a knowledge, a relationship with him to receive true healing for their souls, true freedom, and to really just know the truth of this reality we live in. So I have a YouTube channel where I talk about some of the things I was engaged in some of the spiritual practices, some of the beliefs. 
I'm starting to bring some more people on and I talk about the Bible. I talk about things like that. So that's where I'm at now. 25 years old. I'm married. Now, obviously, my favorite part, it's Judgment Day. Now, if you're in the car listening, wherever you're listening, send through some of your judgments that you might have going into this conversation. Now, one I'm really enjoying is, do I think he is, well, I already know because I spoke to the guy, is he just a punter with just an opinion? Is he a pseudo-intellectual guy like myself that loves to read books and listen to academics and then, you know, tell people about what I just learned? Or is he a full-blown piece of paper academic? Back to it, Everett, me, it's Judgment Day. I've got judgments. All right, we'll kick off with uh, one that you have already debunked in your intro there. I was going to say, you're a Christian YouTuber, working for a church. You must be, you must have been a fundamentalist Christian your whole life. No, yeah, not until uh, three years ago. Before that, atheist, grew up atheist, grew up very, and I started getting a little bit agnostic, then started becoming very mindfulness, Eastern mystic spiritualities, meditation, absolve the ego, um, really into psychology, Sigmund Freud, Abraham Maslow, different psychological understandings, uh, then into more deeper spiritualities, um, Hinduism in a sense, I became a certified yoga instructor. I was just really into healing. I was just really into knowing the truth spiritually. Uh, mm -hmm. And it wasn't until three years ago that I had a personal direct encounter with Jesus Christ that completely changed my life within five minutes. Everything about okay. me changed. So that's going to be the, that's a hard debunk on some people's judgments there on your journey. Okay. So then this next one follows the first one, but then I'm not, I'm very unsure now. If you're, if you're a Christian, you mustn't believe in evolution, evolution, some kind of science scam. Um, in the macro sense, in macro evolution per se, that we came from unicellular organisms, which somehow came from inanimate objects, inanimate matter, then became animated life. And the DNA came out of nowhere through random collision of atoms. And then through random mutations, we developed and then in, went into the water, reptiles came out, became apes. And now we're here talking about that, talking about our process of coming to existence. I don't believe in that evolution. I believe in microevolution where okay, people who have black skin color and heavy amounts of sun in Africa, I have a genetics from Europe, darker more of the year. I have a whiter skin color. The pigment of my skin has changed genetically. I think so maybe more of like specifically if we go the age of the earth, 14 billion or 8 billion or that's the universe, I can't remember, or 4,000. I'm not fully decided on old earth or new earth as it's talked about theologically. Um, there's good arguments for both, but probably slightly more towards the old earth. Um, okay. Even just from scripture itself, not necessarily some of the scientific theories and, and carbon dating and stuff like that, which I don't believe is as strong as some of the scriptural interpretation. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's an interesting kind of a miss on that one, I think. All right. Christian then in America, although in California, so this could go either way. You got to be a gun-slinging Republican Trump voting American Christian. Uh, me personally, I do own firearms. I do believe in the Second Amendment. Check. 
Uh, I, believe, <laughs> I believe it was the second amendment for a reason after the first amendment. And I think um, when a tool is used properly and people understand it, that the cities and the places that have the highest gun ownership have the lowest crime. The cities that have the high, strictest have the highest crime, not say gun violence crime, but crime in general. You know, you try and uh, break into a grandma in Texas, it's not going to be a successful heist. Um, so I, I do so own that's firearms. A, that's a check on gunslinging. Yeah. Republican Trump voter. Uh, Trump voter. Yeah, I would say I'm independent, though. And I was independent when I voted okay. Trump, but no chance voting Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's that's a good hit, I reckon. I don't agree with everything, honestly, but that's a whole Okay. Deeper. Well then this next one we'll see. More of a potentially Republican position. Climate change, hoax. Christians generally sometimes fit this camp. Climate change, big scam. Um my beliefs from high school, which is when I was really introduced to the whole idea of climate change through AP Environmental Sciences. We read textbooks, United Nations textbooks on the whole on the whole thing, I think there are some exaggerations of the ideology to promote industries that are actually being profited by specific individuals and groups. Green energy that isn't necessarily as efficient yet, although our technology is increasing in solar, in renewables, it's becoming more efficient. It's not at the point yet where it's actually good for the environment per se to buy a Tesla and and drive an electric car because of the coal burning that's uh, used and all these different things. And it's a, so it's a big thing that I would say my the, belief has lessened. And I don't think it's as big of a threat as a lot of the kind of liberal leftist um, think tanks want to promote to get us to live in future United Nations smart cities in very small apartments and to be taxed on all of our energy output, have a digital ID, social credit score, and the whole AI system that's coming. I think it's a part of it. And we don't even fully know how much of the actual warming percentage-wise is from human activity, which I would love to know more about that because that's really the main thing. We know it's warming. We know the climate is changing, but the variables that are causing it I would say is where the next discussion is, but I like, I like those discussions. I think it's important. Our environment should be mm. protected and we're meant to have dominion over the earth in a responsible way where we're protecting the environment. I'm a big nature guy. You go to my Instagram. I got a lot of nature photos, nature landscapes, mm -hmm. videos. I love, I love nature protecting the environment. I don't like crony capitalism and businesses mm. polluting things just for okay. greed. Mm, all right. I, th I think I'd throw like a label at you, like climate skeptic. You're, you're not in the, the tribe that's like, this is bad. Let's, let's do what we can to solve it. You're like, oh, I need more convincing. I don't know if that's, if that's the label. Yeah, I would say we should always focus on protecting the environment, but first protecting human life and mm -hmm. constantly okay, good distinction. The between the two. So Everett, I feel like I've thrown some judgments at you. I was like, okay, what do people throw at Christians? Generally, it's aligned with Trump. Nailed that one. Now, what do people, as you're going through, now you're saying you're occupying a new space as a Christian in California. California, very liberal, progressive. I, US politics, as friends of the show know, is my personal hobby. I watch it like sport. Nice. And California, very progressive. And obviously there's this antagonism between like Texas and California and you sitting in the Trump camp in California, you get any judgments being a more conservatively minded Christian in a progressive 
uh, place like California? What what judgments do people throw at you? What labels do they throw at you? Oh, massive, man. Massive. Despite growing up in one of the most diverse places, I think, in the world, I had friends who were Iranian families, Korean, Japanese, black. Like, it was just so normal for me growing up in school, elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, diversity, having friends of every single race. But there's obviously that label of white supremacist, uh, bigot, oh, all these different okay. things that come along with supporting <clears throat> Trump. And yeah, obviously, when I first was kind of looking into Trump, I'm like, who is this guy? He's just doing this for fame, doing this for money. What is this? Started seeing, okay, I'm listening to the full speech. And that's it's not what he said there. So I'd say I have a more, you know, when people don't understand, kind of, they have that media lens, that's when people will label me as bigot, white supremacist, um, mm -hmm. male privilege, just the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. You guys know anybody who's, and I'm public in my beliefs. In college, I'd be at parties and there'd be people who did not like me, knew that I liked Trump, and they would tell everybody publicly he likes Trump. And like nobody in Boulder, Colorado, really, very small amount of people. Boulder's very liberal, very new age. And I'm like, I'll tell you why I can have a conversation. You know, I can talk about why I came to these beliefs. So uh -huh. I just like conversations, you know. All right. Well, super friends, you know, I get the, I get the idea that Everett likes to chat. I like U.S. politics. Maybe there's a maybe there's a plus special coming out where Let's where go. Conrad and Everett talk U.S. politics. Uh, let me know if you're interested in that. I'd probably two people would be interested. I don't know about other people. Uh, okay, so I'm in the car yard. I'm kicking ideas. Ideas digest. We fear no idea. Everett, we 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 look around. We're like, what's that over there? We pick it up. We try it out. I'm in the car yard kicking these tires. Going ah, oh, new age. Oh, what's the uh, bit of manifesting over here? You know, bit of a uh, bit of EFT tapping, maybe give that a go. Oh, Taro, what's that? Reiki, this is interesting. Okay, like talk to me about it. And then I'm getting the sense, just when I was watching your YouTube channels and and, and you alluded to a little bit of your journey there, we had the sense that this guy comes running over. It's you, Everett. And you're like sweating a little bit. You've run, you run down the road. You're like, Conrad, Conrad, stop. Like, don't, the, this, is, this is bad. This is of the devil kind of stuff. I'm like, what, what? So if you're my guide then, through, as I'm going through this car yard, you're kind of, at least from my stereotype at the beginning, you can correct it after, it's going, sounds like you're saying a lot of this stuff that I've been exploring based on your journey is of the devil, is evil, and I shouldn't really be touching it or exploring it. If I'm in the car yard and I'm looking at these ideas and these religions or rituals or different, you know, modern versions of older traditions and you're slapping my hand away from little items i'm like oh ever what about this one can you tell me which ones i should be retracting from just like in a simple like no that one's of the devil don't touch that one don't touch that one if i was uh, i would say by principle i would say by principle if it leads you away from actually the source of what you're looking for the source of people going to these things many times is healing i was watching some of your eft uh tapping think manifest mm -hmm gal that you had on i was in mm -hmm. i was into psych k i was into tapping i was into like healing code mm -hmm. emotion mm -hmm. type things like that everybody is usually seeking healing really mm -hmm. noble hearts good hearts seeking healing and i would say conrad those mm -hmm. things they have a very small amount of healing compared to truly knowing who christ who jesus christ this guy two thousand years ago yeshua messiah whatever name language you want to call him that there is in him. 
He's alive. Mm. He imbues people with power. He fills people with power. Just like, you know, the supernatural is very real. People can channel entities, psychics, um, different channelers, Abraham Hicks, who's very big into the manifestation, source, uh, consciousness type stuff. Um, there are entities that channeled. We can actually channel, we can actually contain the Holy Spirit. Before this, I had not known anything about Christianity, didn't know the gospel message, didn't know about Jesus Christ and about these things. I have seen the most miraculous healings I had ever seen when I was seeking these healing modalities, traveling to China, traveling to Thailand, going to Bali, becoming certified yoga instructor, taking psychedelic plant medicines, DMT, LSD, mushrooms, weed, constant weed, very into CBD research, very into edibles, psilocybin, this organization called MAPS, psychedelic research for therapeutic treatments, all this stuff. I wanted healing. I want to see people heal. I wanted to see creation be used for benefit, for good. And I'm telling you, this is not just some crazy, like I was just like told these beliefs by my parents or my church telling me like, oh, this is demonic and I'm just spewing it. I genuinely believe from the bottom of my heart that if a soul seeks Christ and comes into that knowledge of Christ, comes into that relationship, because you will receive, your dreams will change, supernatural things will come to your mind and you'll act out in faith and they're true. You'll begin to see massive transformation. A guy with 13 year cigarette addiction comes in, I'm mentoring him, one of these services we had is called the deliverance service and last Sunday of each month. This is when there's actual exorcism that takes place. The actual demons are gone after. A third of Jesus's miracles and ministry was casting out of demons in the three synoptic books of the gospel. Very powerful ministry. Yet people think, oh, a demon's just a part of the mind or a mental illness. Well, how could you send that into a herd of pigs that then falls into the ocean? Like, it doesn't make sense scripturally. I've seen the most incredible healing. This guy, he's like, I'm getting like a little pit in my stomach or something. So I go in, I like go into my office and I'm talking with him, you know, because I, I genuinely believe that some people are like desperate. They think that, oh, they see these testimonies of a demon getting cast out and they go and they, they kind of create this figment of their imagination and kind of an emotional reaction, but it's not actually a demon. They're just very desperate for healing. So, you know, I, I want to be discerning. What is a mental illness? What is a mental disorder? What could possibly be bipolar, dissociative identity? And what is an actual demon inhabiting the soul of a living person? And I pray for this guy immediately. <laughs> Starts going like this, like immediately, right when I anoint him with oil. And who knows why that works? I, th I believe there's, you know, the, the spirit is really the, the, the spirit is where the true power is, obviously, but starts going like that. I cast this demon out after probably five to 10 minutes. He still feels a little thing because something didn't fully come out. We go into the lobby and I look at him and I look straight into his soul. Bam. He falls back. He gets caught by one of one of my friends in the lobby, people around looking, casting this demon out as it's on the ground going, no, no. Boom. Gets cast out. He comes up. He's like, oh my gosh. Oh, wow. I feel so light. We walk outside. He pulls out his cigarettes. I'm like, what? Throws him in the trash. For two weeks before this, when he got to the internship, which is we have an internship program, he was trying to quit. Within two days, he's shaking, cold sweats, can't quit. He didn't have a single physical withdrawal after that and has not, did not smoke a cigarette after that. Supernatural. So, so you're describing 
this this worldview that has the, the supernatural stuff. And in this world, as I'm piecing it together, and I want you to kind of unpack this world for me, you've got Christ and the spirit realm and the Holy Spirit. You're saying we can have that Holy Spirit within ourselves. But then you're, you're saying the very almost stereotypical, many Christian friends of the show will be very familiar. There's the inverse of that. There's the inverse spirit, uh, spiritual realm, which is the demonic. It's the... Mm-hmm. You're, you're t- telling a story there of a, of a guy having a demon inside of him and that is the reason why he was potentially addicted to cigarettes or something like that. As you place these other things into this sort of framework that we can establish, as you go through these things and you're saying, okay, people are seeking, you know, maybe I'm, I'm doing EFT tapping or going into meditation or breath work or like your journey is we'll get into in a minute. And you go through and you go, okay, people are seeking healing and you're saying, I just think that, Jesus and Christ and Christianity is the ultimate healing. I've seen it. I've been through all that. This is this is the path. Trust me, guys. Yeah. When you describe these other modalities you've been through, these other religions, these other practices, you've got like meditation, yoga, the video we linked up with you on that we saw on YouTube with the Kundalini yoga as we were yeah. discussing that. And you were saying yep. utterly demonic, breath work, ayahuasca ceremonies, cacao ceremonies. You were talking about weed like Hindu prayer rituals, all these things, even down to like Buddhism. Are these, is there a nuanced category you put these things in or are these varying degrees of demonic deceptions in the framework you build? Definitely varying degrees. Varying degrees with specific criteria and reasons why in those specific practices. So it's not just kind of binary one and zero. Going to... uh, one person, two people going to a yoga class, mm. two people going to two different yoga classes, because one could be extreme Hinduism, where the teacher genuinely is very into the Bhagavad Gita and very into the Vedic text, very into the soul's journey to merge, create moksha, be yoked with Brahman. Or you could go to a yoga studio where it's just like a fitness gal and she's just like trying to get you fit yeah. and have a little sweat. That's a very different yoga. But in language, but the yoga connected to the Hindu tradition, like we're in Bali and it is that person yep. that's like super into it, Bhagavad Gita. Would you classify that as demonic? I would say Hinduism is demonic and I have specific reasoning why. And in mm-hmm. terms of demonic, I mean, it does not complain, contain complete truth and is actually dangerous. Now, dangerous because obviously I believe that there's more than this just existence that we live in, that our bodies are temporary and our soul is actually eternal, that we actually enter into another world after. I don't believe we reincarnate through lifetimes. Where is the last Mm -hmm. reincarnation? What is it you have to reach enlightenment or moksha? Where was the first reincarnation? When did the creation of souls begin? Is source just a fragmented, we're all just fractured pieces of source. We forgot we're source and now we're becoming aware of our non-dual nature into the unity state consciousness. There's different, mm-hmm. when we describe these practices, there's much different doctrines people believe about them. When people say Hinduism, most people actually don't believe in original Hinduism, which has a very different belief system than kind of the modern idea of yoga of kind of love and light and namaste i honor the light in you and but then they forget about the mythology and the lore and kali who uh you know slays her lovers and has the necklace of skulls and all the different mythological gods and goddesses within hinduism 
and all those different aspects, usually people aren't as into that, um, which is bhakti yoga, which is more of that goddess god worship. And I believe that those beings are real. I believe those beings are real. And I believe it is binary between the army of light and the army of darkness. I believe we are in a spiritual war. And I believe that not every entity or supernatural spiritual being that claims it's something or that people believe it is something is necessarily that thing. And that it boils down to allegiance to the creator. And that's what creates the army of light. If you're a true light worker, you serve the light. The light is Christ. The light is God. God is light. And you can, out of deception, believe that certain, just like you out of deception could have a friend close to you for five years and he completely backstabs you, you know, for some chick that you like and he like, and then it's like, boom, the relationship's done for it. And it was actually, it caused you pain. People have relationships with these beings. People have relationship through these actual spirit guides, through these entities that they worship because they want specific qualities, specific, you know, an increase in their love life. And this goddess is close to that. And Hinduism, very mythological, like Greco-Roman world, the paganistic mythology, the Nordic, those are actual spiritual beings. I've literally encountered these beings and people who don't even know who they are. And people who did teach yoga, who were going to church, who did get pretty into yoga, I've seen them manifesting Kali, this demon, doing a ah, exactly how it's described by the Hindus as portraying itself to them, which they worshipped because it had great power. They still do that today. Seeing people addicted to weed, don't even know that there is a god called Shiva in Hinduism, manifest a demon talking all <clears throat> about these things, going generations back how it initially got in, got them into weed, things that knowledge that is supernaturally attained, not within their current lifetime of, of understanding, which people have books writing that reincarnation is real. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't believe that because there's different, there's different criteria, there's different reasons for why that knowledge is in people's mind that's causing them to feel like it's a past life. But I believe these beings are real. And that you either serve the light or you serve the darkness. Christ is the light. God is the light. And people out of deception and many times good intentions are unknowingly serving beings and believing beliefs that are not actually true, but that there is an absolute truth. And we can actually come to a greater understanding of that absolute truth through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and also using a certain amount of reason and logic, like we have this conversation, like you have so many conversations, you you converse, you discuss, you use reason, logic, you, you, you know, look at even different scientific things to better understand the truth, because the scientific method is a great method to come and arrive at more truth. We've invented a lot of technology through it. But morality is another deal. Something that's right and wrong, it's, it's hard to have a scientific method attached to that. You end up becoming a social Darwinist, believing in Darwinism and thinking that you need to depopulate a certain amount of the population to have a better, more fruitful humanity and evolve into the Homo Supremus and, and out of the Homo Sapien. And that humanity is going to merge and these belief systems start to develop out of this idea of evolution, this theory of evolution. Oh, oh, it's demonic. Saying evolution is demonic is ridiculous. Well, it can be. It is. And it is most definitely when somebody adopts that and applies it in a public theology format. So public theology is interpretation of the scripture and applying it into how the public operates. When you 
use that, you fall into Third Reich, Nazi Germany, Hitler, eugenics, ideology that people still believe about the human race. We need to improve the genetics to the highest degree, kill off the weak and infirm, just like Mother Nature does, that the strong survive, and all that. So it's very nuanced, and we could go into discussion on all these things, on why I believe mm. these things, but it all boils back down to that diversion from actually knowing the creator. It's quite a like a a scary world in a way, a bit of a dangerous world. There's there's two forces, light, dark, and we're headed either one direction or another. And we can be deceived, we can go the wrong way for the right reasons and end up in the wrong spot. But there's, you know, there's high stakes, it sounds like. There, there are demonic forces that can possess you that people can be unknowingly tapping into and all, all of these things. I'm curious for you because when I hear what you say, like many Christian friends of the show, they'll be listening going, yeah, yeah, I heard all this growing up. I heard the stories of demons in Africa. I, I heard that don't touch this, that's of the devil, that's of the devil, like all the other religions, they're of the devil too. Yeah, I, I kind of understand that. And then they would look at you and go, this guy's clearly been brought up in Christianity his whole life. This guy, he's just parroting what he's heard from like Christian kind of evangelical Christian Christianity 101. He votes for Trump, mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. He's ticking all those boxes. But that's where you're you're a little bit different in that you're saying your journey came from a completely different pathway. You're saying you grew up atheist. You're saying you went through, you went to Bali. You were in these little uh like huts doing breath work, doing ayahuasca, some oh, like yeah. some some drug trick. Talk to me about your journey then. How do you end up as this kind of textbook Trump voting evangelical Christian type <clears throat> when you didn't grow up in it and you went through, I suppose, all the things that everyone who maybe deconstructs goes back into. They go, all right, mm. Christianity is not working for me. Um, like, I can't believe that it's such a narrow road to Jesus. I can't believe yeah. it's such a narrow road to God and the infinite. It, it's like, geez, it seems like it's only white Western Christian American evangelical yeah. Christianity that make it, that have the truth. So they kind of go back and go, no, no, I think there's other things here, but you've come from the other direction. So I'm curious about your journey tracking through where did this kind of start and what ideas led you to this point as we're speaking today? When I grew up, grew up my only knowledge of Christianity was, man, feel bad for those people believing in God to like have an emotional comfort best friend because mm -hmm. they're kind of emotionally weak and they can't hold to the scientific method that's brought humanity, evolved humanity in our, our, mm -hmm. our mind, our consciousness, civilization to this place. And they're actually holding us back in many ways from advancing to where we're meant to advance because they're not adopting beliefs that we've found to be true. They're not adopting beliefs that through the scientific method, through reason, through investigation, through using our, our mind and capacity, have found to have truths about the universe that they're just shove, shoving aside to believe in this book so they can feel all comfortable when really the world's a little bit more mysterious, a little bit more unknown, a little bit more, uh, you know, different than what they think. So I felt bad for Christians. I really thought that they were not very intellectual, you know, not very intellectual, very low researched, and we're kind of in it for an emotional reason. Now, hey, good for them if it really helps bring them peace and love and joy in life. You know, I wasn't against that per se, but when they try and 
you know, instill it into culture, instill it into you and, and kind of go that directions. It's like, man, th- this is not good. So your family, were they your parents religious, not religious? No, not religious. When I was like, I want to know the truth. Where do thoughts come from? This was in high school. I started to think more. I, I had an injury in football, fractured vertebrae in my back. Um, couldn't play sports as much as I wanted during that time. And I was very sedentary, began to read a lot more books, began to really investigate psychology, began to investigate um, philosophy. I'd go up in my hammock I built in the trees out in the backyard and just read Lao Tzu, The Art of War and Plato's Republic. And I was just investigating truth. I really wanted to know the truth of the reality we live in, the truth of our minds, our thoughts. Where does this stuff derive from? And I saw a lot of people suffering from mental health issues, you know, and they'd be taking pharmaceutical drugs and Prozac for antidepressants. And I'm like, it just doesn't seem like the answer, like the cure, you know, like to have that for the rest of your life. It, this is a thousands and thousands of year old problem. There's got to be something deeper. You started becoming more spiritual. When you say starting to become more spiritual, how Believing would you define that word spiritual? Believing in a soul, believing in a potential afterlife. And yeah. believing in a world that you can't physically see. Believing yeah. in something that exists beyond the material. You go, yeah. and there's something else here, right? Exactly. Like, oh, psychics might be able to actually know things about you somehow supernaturally. Oh, ghosts mm. might be real. I thought that was a complete joke. Complete. It's a physical phenomenon. Mm. People, it's okay. It's the wind hitting the thing and like stuff like that. Even though I would watch ghost shows on like Discovery Channel and stuff, I thought it was completely fake. Paranormal activity, all this stuff. Didn't think this stuff was real. Didn't think spirits and demons and none of that was real. Psychological. It was psychological in the mind. We need to unpack the mind. We need to understand the mind and the brain and neuroscience. So I was like, okay, maybe there's more. And then I read another book about this race car driver who supposedly reincarnates as a dog that my grandma gave me as a popular book. And I'm like, man, like that would be pretty crazy if like souls actually reincarnated. It might explain why there are different personalities as a baby. You know, little toddlers have different personalities. Why is that? Why isn't it just like, boom, you know, factory made? Well, nature versus nurture, blah, blah, blah. Well, where does the nature truly come from? Is it all genetic? I just asked all these questions. I was seeking truth. So I began to get more into Buddhism naturally. And that was the first spirituality I really investigated, the eightfold path, the 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 reaching of nirvana, the you know, the process of, of developing compassion and meditating to reach that state of nirvana and actual freedom from suffering and breaking out of the cycle of reincarnation. And it really attached well with mindfulness and some of the self-help I was reading, self-help books, transcendental meditation, that when you meditate, when you reach stillness, that's when you know who you truly are, that our true source of who we are, our identity, our, our nature, who Conrad is, who Everett is, the construct of what that even means is found in its most base foundational form through stillness of the mind, through becoming the observer of the thoughts to know the source of our actual identity and traveling all the way back to the original spark of creation, the vibration that the Hindus believe was the origin that you want to reach in your consciousness to merge with that state of moksha or samadhi bliss. So that was all made sense to me. 
I was like, that makes sense. And I see people, they meditate and brain scans show that there's greater, you know, uh, activity in the neurons and people are very stressed. People are very focused on the material world. They're destroying the environment. They're, you know, all into greed and material possessions. Yet these poor people seem to have such joy and fulfillment. And clearly it's not in this American success story or this material world success story where you find true happiness, true freedom. And I read the book Into the Wild and was fascinated with this guy who traveled up to Alaska and abandoned his possessions, burned his money and was just seeking the meaning of life, you know, seeking the true meaning of life, watching the caribou, just tears in his eyes at the beauty of creation. And I always uh, would desire to go backpacking and meditate out in the woods and truly just connect with nature and the beauty of nature and, and reconnect mm -hmm. really, because I thought humanity was going in this dark way, this dark path, this dark um this dark path of just really destruction and materialism and dissatisfaction and torment. And I'm like, okay, what is this dark force then? You know, what is this that's causing this deviation from what I thought would have been a better world? And I didn't believe in demons and believe in Satan and believe in these things. I thought maybe it was just a reduced, a lower consciousness, a lower vibration. And we're ascending to a higher vibration. We're ascending to reach the, the, the states of love, which is the highest vibration and, and, and these states of joy, compassion, uh, generosity, you name it, to ascend our consciousness as a collective to the highest vibration. And that was my goal. That was my goal. When I realized like, okay, this is legit, then science uh, proves that all is energy equals MC squared. And if all is energy, then our, my consciousness is energy, my, my body, which it is. I don't believe now some of the things that I've been talking about, but I'm just taking you through my my, yeah. my mental process and the, the way you would have thought seeing the world. Exactly. So I wanted to raise the vibration of humanity and I started to believe telekinesis. I'm seeing these monks and they're legit, legit doing supernatural stuff. And that's when I was like, is this real? Like he's lighting a newspaper on fire with his mind. No way. This can't be real. And then like, starting to see a little bit more of this and how you go into the woods to meditate for three years. He was taught by a master, started to investigate more into this kind of qigong, tai chi, energy cultivation, extreme longevity. People will be able to live very long. You know, I want to build my chi. I want to build my energy, increase my vibration, and I want to become the best possible human I can possibly be. G'day, I'm Troy. And I'm Brian. And we're the hosts of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, an ex-evangelical podcast. We used to be loyal members and leaders in Australian Christian megachurches, but we're not anymore. I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist is an honest and hilarious peek behind the curtain at the weird, the worrying, and sometimes traumatic world of evangelicals and Pentecostals. We share our stories, we interview prominent guests in the global ex-evangelical space, and provide a platform for others to tell their stories about their time in evangelicalism, and their journey out. Shortlisted at the recent Australian Podcast Awards, I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist gives you a unique global perspective into one of the fastest growing religions in the world from the people who actually lived it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and IWasAteenageFundamentalist.com. At this point, you're striving to answer something deep inside yourself that's looking at everything and saying, 
this atheistic worldview is too simple. It's too mechanistic. It doesn't seem to be working as I look around and there's something inside of me that isn't like you're seeing beauty in nature. You're seeing what's around you and you're, you're connecting it in a way that doesn't seem to be explained in the material explanation that atheism will hand you. And so you're heading through these different worldviews and what, like seeing, um, seeing what getting answers for potentially what you're feeling inside is there's got to be more to it or you're you're encountering things you can't explain and do you do yeah. at this point do you go back to uh, science for any of the explanations like does any part oh, yeah. of your mind the skeptical going okay how do you light that thing on fire like is it you know, yeah, exactly. trick? Is yeah. this like were, were you bouncing back and forth or, or were you kind of continuing on oh for sure i i I still believe that the scientific method and understanding is extremely valuable. And even then, I was looking at these through a lens of how could science explain this? Because it's pretty incredible what mm-hmm. science has discovered, has found out. And it's 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 amazing. And I wanted to know, like, okay, is this wuju? Is this, you know, mystical? Is this magical? Or is this scientific? And that was really my investigation because I wanted to prove it. If it was real, I wanted to prove it to people, to break them out of this kind of like, very mundane mode of thinking and started to see, man, the ancients do have a lot of wisdom. The ancient cultures, the ancient spiritualities, like we're depressed, we're diseased. Disease is increasing, skyrocketing. Suicide is increasing. All these things are increasing. The environment, you know, you look at the Native Americans, the Hopis, the Aborigines, the, they're so connected, the, the, the Amazonians so connected with the environment. Like there's wisdom we can learn here where they're not just dumb, primitive early humans with no knowledge of science and have nothing to offer. So I was fascinated Mm -hmm. with the ancient cultures, the ancient spiritualities and perspectives on life. And I started to realize they do have some wisdom. So how do we blend this scientific understanding with the wisdom of the ancients, with the wisdom of the ancient human beings, which actually had a lot more than we really, you know, seem to think in our modern day and age, because there's such a pride to our to our zeitgeist of uh, human development of where we are now with technology. But What's the fruit of that technology in the deep sacred sense and actual fulfillment of the human experience? So um, I really just started kind of gotten into the ancient cultures and such and investigating, researching. And that's when I began to become more legit about it. In, in college, I was like, I'm not smoking weed anymore because I started smoking weed in high school. I was like, no way I'm doing this. I don't want to do this. Uh, my parents were telling me, no, you trust me. You don't want to do that. And I do it. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like feeling the where it was in my body that actually the bone was fractured. The doctor saying, nope, it's muscular. I'm no, no, it's on the bone. And I'm like, it, it literally, they took an MRI exactly where it was when I would smoke weed. So I'm like, what is this? The endocannabinoid system, the CBD affects the nervous system. I'm going deep into marijuana cannabis industry. Um, was very into it for that sense. I would take it before I would literally go on cross country runs because I quit football, did cross country my senior year, and literally got massive improvements way beyond everybody else me and my three friends we would vape weed the reason your eyes get red because your capillaries expand so i'm like oxygen is getting poured into more of the body and so there's actually a greater strength uh uh, improvement when you're high on weed and i was starting to do this starting to really believe and i'm like you guys don't my friends don't go get jack in the box every time and just watch tv shows and stuff like this stuff's powerful bro come on like a sick nature journey with me and i bring my friends on like nature journeys and we just conquer hills Mm. sprint down them up them while high 
And I'm like, that. this is how this plant's meant to be used. You know what I mean? It can be used for bad, but it can be used for good. And and so I'm smoking weed, doing these things. And I'm also going to kind of the EDM music culture raves and and things like that. And before I would take MDMA, I'd take all the supplements, all the things that really help restore the serotonin, the dopamine receptors so they don't get flooded and destroyed. The guy who invented MDMA, which is Molly, ecstasy, whatever you want to call it, he actually grew up, he lived in the town that I grew up in. Me and my friends are fascinated with this guy and and really taking it for a beneficial purpose, not just from recreational kind of purpose only. And, and um, so I was taking LSD as well, getting into college. I was drinking, partying, but I would have massive, when I stopped drinking alcohol, um, I would have massive jugs of cacao with hot water and cacao, massive quantities. And I'd have a huge jug and everybody would go around drinking. I'm like, this is natural. This is what you want. Like alcohol is destroying your liver. Alcohol is toxic to the human body physically. Like this is not how you have fun. And I'm pounding massive amounts of cacao, telling people about it, all these things. And literally at parties while there's shots and like ski shots of beer pong, there's a fat jug of cacao that people are pounding. And so I would have a great time. And people are like, man, he's so happy. He's having such a great time. And he's not drinking. Like, what the heck? Were you so, the were you the hippie guy on campus? Were you wearing like hemp pants and like a slightly open linen shirt and like long kind of hair? Was I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to paint a picture point. here. If I was by myself in the woods and doing qigong exercises, I'd have that hemp hemp gear. But no, I had like a a Braves hat, Giants hat on, kind of okay. just jeans, normal clothes, normal looking okay. guy, pretty much. I didn't really yeah. get into that necessarily, but like mentally spiritually that that's where i was at but i was very blended because right. i was yes. very into sports athletic business studied business was in business school very into that type of stuff but then this spiritual healing and all that stuff so i'm like i'm quitting alcohol i'm quitting weed this is not benefiting my life i don't feel it's benefiting my life it's causing paranoia it's causing social isolation it's causing short-term memory loss it's causing disconnection between my family members and i've tried to balance it like i don't I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. Everybody I would talk to had very similar feelings when you really get a heart to heart with people about it and that what I was noticing. So I stopped doing these things. I'm seeking I'm fasting 10 days on water or seven days on water with like colon cleansing, juicing, heavy metal detox. That's that's like up the oh, enema. Yeah, Yeah, and enemas up the butt took me three years to Three and a half years to actually do that. I was doing different colon cleansing prior because I'm like, okay, no, I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to do but the you, enema. Okay, but you've enema's done that effective, too. man. I lost 1.8 pounds in one enema on a three-day juice fast. Nothing's in there of black substance. So there's real stuff stuck in your colon if you've had a processed, modern, you know, Franken food diet of fast foods and things like that. But uh was getting really into health, changing my diet. I went vegan for a whole year, had blood tests before, blood tests after. My protein was high after. I was felt great. Um, not vegan anymore. But you know, if you eat the proper, you can be vegan and still be healthy. Most people vegan junk food and you know, things like that. Mm. But so I was just exploring these, all these things, truth, truth. I was watching all the and documentary. You're getting some improvement. You're getting yeah. some like health, health, you're getting some health benefits, you're getting some. I guess in some enlightenment benefits. I suppose as I as I track your journey, as you tell it, a question I would have is, you you say you're like seeking healing. You're you're looking for, you know, a personal improvement or like a solution to to what's out there. What what were you seeking to heal? 
was it a broken society that you're looking at and see it? Was it something internally? Was it like the family you're coming from? Like, what is it? What do you think was is driving that that pursuit that you are describing you had? Yeah. So I would say some of it was when I broke my back, could no longer play sports at the time. You know, there was a natural depression that came in and I started smoking a little bit too much weed and started having kind of a, you know, a, kind of a confusion. But then there's another element, which I think was the most strong of like, I want to know the truth. I want to do whatever it takes to know the truth. It's kind of hard going on this journey. I felt lonely at many times of like, even believing in anything supernatural coming from a materialistic, natural, humanistic worldview with atheism kind of at its helm, agnosticism in a sense, but it wasn't fulfilling. But to deviate out of that, you suffer persecution from the mindset mm. that I grew up in, the community I grew up in. To even deviate into supernatural, it's like woo-woo. You know what I mean? So yeah. there was even like that kind of, you know, I'm on this journey to know truth even if it it hurts in some ways, I want to persevere for humanity, for mm -hmm. the truth and things like that. So there was a, it was a lonely journey at many times. And there were obviously other struggles of, of that I wanted to overcome more fully, but it was really just constant improvement. So I was ne I, I didn't want to just be where I was at in terms of my confidence or my public speaking or my ability to drive change and persuade people of the truth and, and bring people out of and, and really uplift people and encourage people, motivate people. I wanted to grow constantly. So that was the process. I was just trying to grow, trying to maximize my human potential, optimize it completely, biohack, whatever it was, Tony Robbins exercise, cold plunge, Wim Hof breathing, uh, you know, infrared sauna right next to my bed in college. And we'd sprint down into the river in an ice blizzard, barefoot, sprint down, chill in the river, come back up. Like the blood was almost like slush. It was so cold. Just like conquer the human body, show what's impossible to be possible, push the limits mm. and things like that. And even if people thought I was weird to like, to try and bring people on the journey. So that's where I was at, man. And, uh, at this time, I still didn't know the gospel, what even that means. What is the gospel? You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what that word means. Didn't even know the message of Jesus. Didn't know much about the Bible at all. A few things from kind of what I was in, the Daniel diet and like, what did he eat? And like kind of some health stuff around that. But um, it really, right when I started getting into more of the psychedelic uh, experimentation, consciousness exploration, um, took DMT, very high dose DMT, the blast off experience. It's very into Terrence McKenna, heroic dose mushrooms, very into all this and the supernatural and the spiritual. I began to see like, you know, these entities are not just figments of the imagination. They're real. How do human beings relate to them? When you say they're real, what makes you say that as opposed to it's just a psychological trip, right? We we dream things all the time. What at this point you go, yeah. well, they're real. What makes you take that jump to go, I was tripping, but it was real. What what's that step in there? I would say it's a it's a conglomeration of information that I had received over the years of people with supernatural knowledge about either a previous lifetime either another person, they never met each other, not once, time and time again, where it's not acting, it's not a charade, it's not just the Barnum effect where they say something close to it and they're like, oh yeah, that's me. Like, you know, like most horoscopes and things like that. No, 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 no. Like 
there is no relationship. There is an exterior source of information being accessed by this individual to know these things. They believe it's a spirit. They believe it's a conscious entity. So when I think of Buddhism and Hinduism, well, these guys who reached moksha, they brought, brought, uh, broke out of the cycle of reincarnation. They are actually ascended beings. They are spirits. And Buddha came back to this life to bring people out of the cycle of suffering as well. He could have stayed out. That's the whole thing. And he's reincarnated however many times into the current Dalai Lama, they believe. So when you exit the physical body, I didn't think that things uh, were deleted. Things didn't exist. Spiritually, I believe when you exit the physical body, if you did it properly, you could break out of this cycle of reincarnating into these physical bodies in this existence that we live in and actually reach a higher state of consciousness and existence. So the whole thing of like them possibly being spirit guides and uh, ascended beings that are guiding human souls in that process of, you know, alchemization, ascension, increasing your vibration to break out of this lower vibration existence I believe those things were not just the figment of imagination, but are actually real. People have actual relationships and interactions with those beings. Just like all the ancients, they would do the rituals, they would get full-on contact with these beings. And then you've got the UFO phenomenon and how this plays into the history of humanity, the ancient alien astronaut theory, and the, the, the watchers or the Anunnaki coming and interacting with the human race. And why are we different than other animals and all this stuff? And like, there's clearly beings without bodies. That's, I came to that realization. I just of all the stuff that I had seen. So now I'm so like, as you're doing these drug trips and you're doing all this stuff, this is the conclusion you're getting. You're like, this is too real. This is like, what did you get out of, I guess your ayahuasca experience, your DMT experience? Cause this is very popular now. People are going, oh, it's like a good way to, kind of find yourself or get a new perspective or something like that. Did you get something out of it similar? Can you, like, did the hype pull you in and you understand the hype from what you got out of it? So I smoked DMT, the the blast off, whatever. Didn't end up getting to do ayahuasca, although my friend down, went down to Peru and did it, a few of my others as well. And it was even administered in Boulder where I was. But I'm like, I'm just going to do the DMT, kind of ease into this. Because even I had known about DMT since college, high school, but I'm like, until my life's in order, until my life's set, I don't want to do something that powerful. I don't want to, you know, you hear bad experiences, you have peer people having bad trips. And it's like, why would I want to do that right now? But there's obviously that curiosity to know the truth, to know what's mm. out there, to know what are these other dimensions? People say they see other beings. Is that the figment of the imagination? Is it a hallucination when 20 people are seeing the exact same thing? You know, and like, how does that work scientifically in the brain, neurochemically, all that? So when I took DMT, um, it wasn't necessarily some like, oh, peace, love, incredible beauty. It was a very complex experience. It was a very complex experience. You can't really process the full amount of information when you come back. But I was within five seconds blasted out of this body in a completely new dimension, if you want to call it that. Almost forgot about my life on Earth. But I knew my soul, my consciousness was still there. And there were beings that were communicating right when I entered the experience. He's back. He's back. He's back. And I'm like, it, it was slightly creepy, but slightly like awe inspiring. And I'm getting like funneled through these like, there was almost like a machine of like 
these clockwork tubes, not clockwork elves. Didn't see any elves in this experience, but like these tubes. And I did see like a clock. Very hard to explain, but the matrix um, sort of sounding. It's semi, but it was like almost like the Mario Kart Rainbow Road type type uh <laughs> type happy like, matrix reality and but when i came back it was just like whoa like i want to write all this down get all this down i want to learn from this experience other friends of mine we'd take it at my house burn the sage have the the the, the aromatherapy going hit the hape you ever heard of hape you go no and you blast this amazonian snuff up your nose it has some nicotine, but it's these different plants as well that facilitates a deeper meditation prior to the ayahuasca experience. So I was doing that as well. Um, we had the whole sabang. Sananga eye drops, which the Amazonian hunters would take to sharpen their vision and night vision, also improve meditation. A lot of the shamanic kind of principles and things. And my friends would full on have interactions, spirit guides saying, we're going to, the, the secrets are right here. And then boom, they'd wake up like, I want to go back. I want to go back. I was like, just that doesn't quite sit well, man. Like you immediately want to go back and it ended. The spirit guides didn't show you the secrets of the universe or whatever. So, um, but other people would see Ganesha, the Hindu God, the elephant being. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like I thought maybe that's just a figment of the imagination, but they're, they say, I literally saw like Ganesha, this being, and I'm like, okay, um, at this point, I'm not fully like convinced every single mythological figure is real rather than just an archetype. You know what I mean? And even now, mm -hmm. some are probably archetypes, but I do believe there are actual beings that humanity has historically contacted, and they actually have different names in different cultures based on their language, but it is the same being across different cultures and it exhibits a very similar attributes, not just in an archetypical human consciousness way. So I'm taking these drugs. I'm like, you know, trying to reach an enlightenment, awareness of truth, trying to heal, trying to clear my energy blockages, trying to do these things. And there are these people who are, who do these plant medicine uh, uh, ceremonies as well. And there's entity removal that takes place. So people have entities attached to them. They say in their auric field, in their body, in their consciousness, in these experiences, they remove those entities and they believe that they have that psychic ability that the universe has given them to help people heal, to help people, you know, ascend their vibration and let go of these low energy beings that are leeching their life force, leeching their chi. So I'm like, okay, you know, if, if there's kind of power to eliminate these things pretty quickly, that could be very effective in terms of if uh, a portion of mental health is a result of these spiritual negative entities removing them would be a great weapon in my arsenal of healing. So I'm investigating this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm really taking deep conversations with people who are very into this. You have pretty solid kind of psychic or new age or spiritual um, practices and have success. So I'm researching and I find a guy online on YouTube casting out demons with like a cross. And that was the first time I'd ever seen like a cross and like name of Jesus, anything where like something supernatural takes place. So I'd always thought church is just like organs and like people just sit there and kind of listen. And it's just going to be like a social club for the community. There's no power. It's no supernatural. A lot of Christians like don't even really believe in that, I thought. And like, so I I'd never seen anything even close to somebody who is a, a Bible believer 
having effectiveness against these spiritual entities that I was trying to remove. So I start studying this. I'm like, wow. And this guy's got books on like the different religions and the different entities they worshiped and the different cross-culture archetypes of how this entity manifests through different cultures and, and videos where people are being de literally delivered 40 generations back talking about the blood sacrifice rituals to Moloch, the child sacrifice God, or to Baal, or to these beings, these gods that were worshipped by the ancients, and that the ancestors seven generations ago did this, that allowed this demon into the bloodline, like the spiritual DNA per se, because epigenetically, we transfer our behavior epigenetically, we transfer, we turn on, on genes, and we turn off genes through our decisions. And epigenetically, we also inherit these types of things and that families are very different in different ways. There's actual spirits we interact with in our mind, in our thoughts. Not every time, but there are. And I was seeing this and the people wouldn't even know it happened. They go to Ancestry, they go ask their family members and boom, it happened. And they're almost like blacked out consciousness when the demon is manifesting. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I, on the new age, it's more like, Someone's having a bad trip. I would see someone having a bad trip. And and one time, someone I know, it was literally at a music festival, like took acid. And, and they were like, you go up to them and say, hey, man, you all right? You'd say their name and he'd go, hey, man, are you all right? He'd say the exact same thing. And he wasn't even there. It was like a mirror. And it really freaked people out. And I'd seen a lot of other situations like that. And I'm like, some of this is spiritual. This is not just neurochemical, neurotransmitter stuff, what people are experiencing. This is, there is something metaphysical. And so I started seeing these demons, these spiritual entities being cast out. I'm like, what is the most effective method? I'm studying this. I'm reading books, reading this guy's book, this Christian guy, exorcist. Um, I'm reading the other entity removal specialists. I'm reading people who have spirit guides that are guiding them into their healing practices that really are helping people uh, ascend their consciousness, heal from trauma, generational trauma, even people who go to the ayahuasca experiences and, and like have ancestral trauma purged out of them. And I'm really into this because I'm seeing fruit. I'm seeing people really find healing. You know what I mean? And so that was driving me and I'm, I start to say, okay, I want this gift. Like universe, give me this. Whoever spirit guides, whatever it might be, whatever practice, I'm seeking this. I want to help people with this. I do believe this is real. So I'm starting to get dreams about specific people having these beings. And I'm starting to get weird thoughts about somebody having these thoughts about me that are weirdly like murderous. And then six months later, they say, dude, I don't know what it was. It was like weird that one night I was just getting these demonic, like they were telling me that their current person they live with, they're getting weird thoughts that aren't them that are murderous. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was sensing that. My, my perception is growing. And then I started getting dreams about people with them. And I started trying to actually, in, you know, apply what I was sensing more because, you know, kind of step out in faith. Like I didn't believe it. I thought I was going to go crazy. Confirmation, confirmation, confidence grows. Maybe I'm growing in this ability. So it comes to the point where um, I'm tracking this. I got a dream. This person has it. Months go by. I just constantly am tracking this thing. This person's getting into darker and darker things, and I'm trying to get them out. And um, they're really with suffering with suicidal thoughts, suffering with these things, suffered from 
uh, uh, sexual abuse and and uh, other abuse in their life and trauma. And there was a spiritual element and I, I was kind of teaching them the reality of this to help them grow through this, to help them not to get this entity out of their life that was trying to destroy them. And I believe there were good entities that were meant to be in contact with, that are meant to guide us, that are meant to bring us into light per se. So it came to the point where there was full blown manifestation tracked to this thing, having suicidal thoughts, come over, help. I go, I look straight into their eyes looking. Cause I had known it was there. I was having dreams. It was just like the videos I had seen. And I'm like, I know there's something there. I'd, I'd seen it. I would draw it out even in conversations. Other people would see, and they would kind of go like that, testing this. Like, is that the soul of them that has an, a mental defect or, a, or a, a trauma stored as a young child? So it's creating that kind of, uh, you know, a little... Uh, a child, inner child, you know what I mean? This is real. The soul, the, the the mind can fragment into alternate personalities, dissociative identity disorder, schizophrenia. So I'm like, tr like over and over trying this for months to see what this truly is because I had studied a lot of the psychological beliefs from late 1800s up till now and all the big proponents of that and manifests. I'm staring and immediately... This person goes from like this to ah, ah, immediately. They'd never done that. And then they go, whoa, whoa, what's happening? And I'm like, I go right at this thing. Like, I see you, I, you're blah, blah. And I come back just, ah, whoa, what's going on? And I, would, I was like, this, it's not really like, it's not working. What I'm trying to do, the light and meditation, all this stuff, it's not, a, it's not being effective. So I started guiding their soul into like, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. You cannot be doing this. This is not good. Like basic life. You're identifying behavior is what yes. you're saying. You're saying, you, you're saying, oh, if you like take this substance or if you are treating someone like this, this is the stuff that's what feeding this demon or spirit that you're seeing inside somebody. Yes. They were getting into some darker sexual things for money and because like stripping and things like that that was clearly dark you know what i mean that's a, that's a twisted view of sexuality which brings twisted dark spirits that that behind that and things like that other spiritual practices of summoning these astrological goddesses with their kind of rituals and incantations which i don't know if those are good spirits i'm seeing them getting cast out here like i'm i'm just not fully sure and I'm like, you don't need, you can't just reach out to the spirit world like that, use a Ouija board type thing and think that you're just going to be fully good. So I'm like, just stop doing this, stop doing that, or try doing this and like improve your life. Close those doors, open new ones, start building these good habits, start reprogramming your mind. And this negative entity won't be able to reside in your light, won't be able to reside in your soul. That was kind of my advice. But this was a three hour process. And this demon was literally manifesting. They fully could feel it when it would come. And it was like, afterwards though, I was really like, I was really almost, I felt very guilty of, I didn't fully know what I was doing. And I was here like trying to cast out this demon. This could have been bipolar. This could have been dissociative. And now making him think it's a demon. Like, am I even helping this person? And I started feeling like, really, like, I, I cannot be doing this. I need to do way more research. I am not a professional. I am not 
you know, this is a very intimate, fragile, and, and just, you know, part of person's psyche. Like, what am I doing going in? And I'm like, I need to know what happened. I need to know what that was. Was this what I see online? Was it what I'm seeing with the spiritual entities and are demons this real? Was this an actual demon from wherever speaking to me eye to eye? Because it was a very real experience and I was burning on my heart. So I research, like, I reach out to every single person I know is involved in this. And I'm like, can I meet up? Can I have this session? They charge here, they charge there, blah, blah. I'm like, I just want a session just to talk. And I want to understand this. I want to understand this phenomenon, how you do it. So I look online, I type in this guy who I had seen on YouTube and happens to be in my town in a month doing a seminar. I'm like, wow, sick. Like, what are the odds there? I reach out for a one-on-one uh, appointment. I call his office and a lady responds, call on the on the phone is like, yeah, let me check his uh, schedule here. And I get the last appointment. So I'm like, wow, great. You get the last appointment that he has all week from like, it is like nine to five, one hour each for like, I think four days he was in town. And then he has the seminar on Friday. So I got an appointment on Saturday. And I bring two of my friends who are very into this too. We're doing at this moment, literally doing kundalini yoga, taking psychedelics, reaching this non-dual state, not about maybe the non-dual state. I do believe there's a spiritual war. So how does that, the yin and yang, the greater consciousness is being aware of the two and not engaging. I wasn't fully believing in that. My friend kind of was more into that. Um, the other friend was doing DMT. Just He was also getting into breatharianism too. He was one of the top guy for Ray Mayor. You don't eat food, right? You yeah, don't eat exactly. food. Your body can just sustain on air. So we both go to this seminar. And we get there and it's like in a hotel kind of conference room. We're like, okay, it's pretty interesting. And uh, we sit down and we're like looking around everywhere. Everybody's Christian. Everybody's like hardcore Christian. And you can, you just feel we're kind of a little bit out of place spiritually. And I remember seeing Bob, his name's Bob Larson, comes, walks in. I'm like, wow, like that's him in person. Like I've been watching him online for a very long time. And me and my bro, me and my friends were like, is this legit? This literally seems legit. And half of the seminar is kind of like a teaching type thing. And then half is when he starts to pray for people. And he starts, he holds up his crucifix and he walks around the room and he just looks at everybody in their eyes. Like and a demon metal detector. <laughs> legit, man, legit. And literally we're just sitting there and we're like what are we gonna like manifest a demon like what is this and we're watching and people just start <laughs> like random people just start doing that like a kind of an old lady and then another another guy starts crying and then another starts laughing at him like <laughs> and he goes around and he places it on them almost like a you know like a catholic exorcist and he like pulls them in torment and we're like, what the heck? Like, is this, are these people primed to kind of do this? You know what I mean? Like they've been watching it for a very long time, psychologically, mm -hmm. they need a breakthrough. They've gone to all these different methods They go. And we're kind of wondering, we're very skeptical. And um, one woman who is kind of violently manifesting gets brought up. He does it publicly. This is what Jesus did publicly. He cast out evil spirits. He healed the sick. And he did all these miracles publicly in front of the multitudes. And this guy's not liked by the majority of the church. 
not liked by the majority of evangelical churches. He said he was, he's allowed in basically five pulpits in America. And him believing that people can have demons and casting them out is extremely controversial in the American church, not in the world church, not in, you know, uh, Pakistan and the Middle East where people are being beheaded because they believe in Christ. It's not some whole self-help thing or in China where they're in underground churches, um, you know, in, in Africa where there's voodoo and all these things, the spirits are very, you know, real, but the American church doesn't like him at all. And that kind of was like, okay, maybe he's legit then, you know what I mean? Cause most of the church seems like a bunch of, uh, you know, just very unspiritual people per se. So this woman, man, this woman, we witness it. The same exact spirit that manifests in this woman that said its name, it's the exact same spirit that this person was worshiping in their astrology rituals that I believe that this person had and exhibited the, the nature of it. And my friends both looked at me when it said its name, like, who are you? And they were just like, dude, what are these kind of, what the heck? And I'm like, okay, this is this is very interesting. And this demon saying how it got in many generate six generations or something from uh from her lineage of like Celtic druids. And the druids were pretty actually violent. There was some human sacrifice, things like that, in a lot of these, you know, I played World of Warcraft, man. Like you wouldn't believe. I played these video games. Like I had a druid. I was healing people. I was healing tanks. Like I was, I had a warlock. I was casting spells, taking down bosses. Like I'm thinking this is like a video game. You know what I mean? Like this is not real, yeah. not legit. And, uh, but I'm seeing this. I'm like, if there were actual human beings, like this video game comes from somewhere, you know what I mean? Like comes from some sort of thoughts and things like that. And I had visited Chichen Itza in Mexico where they sacrificed virgins on the holiday. Blood would flow through the streets, sacrifice child child sacrifice and all that stuff. So I'd see human beings are capable of this. They do it to the snake God, Quetzalcoatl, things like that. But, you know, who knows? It's archetypical. And Stephen's saying how it got in. She's got multiple divorces, all this torment. But you could just feel this deep, visceral, palpable nature of her soul and the suffering that this woman was had gone through. And you could feel the evil presence of the demon. And there was such a strong feeling of like love in this place, just love for this person, this woman. And I had gone to all these communities, these new age kind of communities and retreats and sacred plant ceremonies where people are doing breath work and there's love and these deep tea parties all night, taking LSD and bonding and love and meditating and creating this community. And here I was seeing this very, very strong sense of love one that I hadn't necessarily felt in those experiences that I had had. Now that kind of was like, huh? And cause I just didn't really expect that this process goes on probably about a 15 minute process. I'm secretly recording it with my phone. I'm like secretly getting it on footage. Cause I'm like, nobody's going to believe me. No, anyone thinking, I think demons are actually real. My friends, my family, everybody. I was actually, except for these two guys who didn't even fully believe that this was legit. I was the only guy in my entire network who was like, this stuff might be legit. These demons might be real. These actual beings might be real. Everyone would have thought I was crazy. And especially with this interaction with this person, I was trying to heal thinking it's a demon. Like what if it wasn't? So getting it on footage, like recording it. And have you still got it? Uh, yeah, it's on my, if he posted it, 
he posted it. I wouldn't show it to anybody unless I asked the woman, but he posted yeah. it on his YouTube channel, so it, it's visible. So if I go looking on his YouTube channel, it's there. Oh yeah, man. I got the link and friends of the show, here is, I guess, audio. And if you're on YouTube, the video that he was referring to. So he's saying he was in the room when this was happening. Doreen, may I ask how old you are? I'm 62. 62, married or single? Divorced. Divorced. Do you have any idea what this is back here? What, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> It's just saying Doreen is 62, divorced with two children, a great grandmother abused her mother, which led to her mother to reject and abuse Doreen and her siblings. She felt Jezebel's presence, since I guess a demon, for as long as she can remember, and she has been unable to keep any meaningful relationships. Her ex-husband is addicted to pornography and marijuana. Big sins. Big sins. Okay. I separate this woman's spirit that belongs to Christ. For those parts of her soul where she believes rejection and Jezebel are. But I think there's more than that. <laughs> For podcasting friends of the show, as a man, late middle age, wearing classic tie and suit, and he's kind of pointing at Doreen very like domineeringly he's like the presence of jezebel he's just kind of pointing it it looks like a pretty low budget room there's you know tissues in the corner an old an old hotel conference room he's holding the bible up look at me jezebel i'm gonna put this sword through you and when you don't talk Met to me, metaphorical the bible whoa he hit oh. her in the back with the bible and she looks like she's in a lot of pain Oh, and he's holding the cross to her front. We know there's been two generations. Mom and grandma. How far does this go back? Answer me! How many generations? Whoa. How many generations? Now, okay, now it's cut scene. And he's holding the cross to her forehead Say, and there's, the people of God. there's like two middle-aged looking country country looking blokes with button-up shirts and jeans holding her pretty tightly on the arms there. You've been reading my book, Jezebel, because you know. Sorry, just when he mentions his book, Curse Breaking, on the YouTube video, it pops up at the bottom a plug for the book that he is referencing. Have you read my book? I thought he was talking about, like, the Bible, but no, he's talking about his book. Anyway, sorry. Ireland or Scotland? Which? Ireland. Witchcraft. Blood covenants. Human sacrifice. <laughs> Whoa, it's so brutal. Jezebel. By what name? And now down the bottom it says, Bob's coming to a city near you. Check out the latest schedule of Who Bob Larson. In my book on Jezebel, I call Lilith Jezebel on steroids. Let's talk to Lilith then. Get up, Lilith! The lady's like scowling. Get up, him. Lilith! I command Lilith to get up. I'm going to take the sword and put it through you. Lilith, you come to attention now! Stop! 
No, get up. Get up and face me, Lilith. Face me, Lilith. Okay, so anyway, for super friends of the show, I might continue watching this. And for everyone else, back to the podcast. I'll tell you, this guy has has a very good heart. I've seen him do some very real... He deals with people heavily abused, incestuous molestation, uh, like people with extreme trauma, even satanic ritual abuse, SRA. He knows everything's not a demon. He's very equipped in the dissociative identity, the psychological, and he, he really emphasizes, you know, ministering to that mental illness. Everything's not a demon, you know what I mean? The demons can create these psychological conditions um, over time, and those need to be counseled through pretty much. And a lot of trauma stored in early childhood causes a lot of issues later in life. Not a demon, you know what I mean? You just need to process it. So he's very practical in that way. So we witnessed this man and the spirit gets cast out immediately, immediately. All three of us skeptics, we sensed this like shift in this woman, this immediate relief. And she was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Like immediately right after like, ah, boom. And it was like something left and immediately like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, and we were like touched. We were like, wow, this is, this is, this is cool. Whether it's hundred percent real or not, there's something real here. And afterwards, Bob has to go. I meet his wife. I meet his two daughters. I get a few of his books. It was my birthday, like three days before my friend got me one of his like crosses that he uses and they like anointed it and everything. I'm like, okay, a little bit of memorabilia from this experience. And, uh, but afterwards we walk up because there are a lot of people who manifested, but they all didn't get ministered to just not enough time. So some of the people he's trained stay after to help. And I'm talking to this guy. I'm like, man, I, I'm just here because I want to know how is this done? How, what is the power that's here supernaturally? And he's just preaching the gospel to me. He's like, man, through faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of your sin. We are all born with a sin nature. Weeping came over me, weeping for an hour long, crying like the truth. I the, 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 the fullness, I had found the truth, like the truth. And it was a living truth, not some concept, state of concept. You're talking about like a feeling, like you're talking about, something that you can't describe because you're saying it's like a more powerful trip than you've had on acid and stuff like that. It sounds like you're describing like an emotional shift or like feeling something you've never felt before, or I suppose where you haven't like seeing things or not really like if, if you were to, if you were to, to remove like Christian language from that experience, yeah. For people listening, what words would you describe? Is it like feeling an emotional feeling you never felt before or depth or, or, or being able to see things, you know, like, Oh, I never noticed that before. Is it, what, what is that? Yeah. The feeling I immediately had after in my frame of mindset before any Christian lingo entered my, my vernacular was I found the truth. It wasn't even necessary. When you say the truth, what does that mean? the truth of the soul's journey to understand what is truth. Like you have a certain desire to know truth. We have a certain desire to know what is the meaning of life? What is truth? What is real? What is truth? 
the nature of Jesus Christ literally resurrecting, coming to earth you, in a supernatural you that premise. You understanding that premise ceases your search for truth or, or what? That's a great question because obviously I'm still searching truth in all different aspects of life and there's no mm. cap, but there's another where it's like there's a ceiling. There's a, a, an occurrence of, a, a of something permanent. Like a... And that permanence, I immediately felt all these different emotions that followed it that I didn't even know the Bible talks about of the most insane level of peace, freedom, and joy from knowing the truth. And I knew that there was a depth to go in. Like, you know something, but you can know it more deeply. But that entry point to knowing it more deeply had occurred. That truth that I had found, I knew there was a deeper, and there was a deeper investigation into it. So that's interesting. You're at, you're at the starting point of this Christian movement, this new words you're going to be using of like Jesus, son of God, virgin birth, the accepting this premise gave you an emotional experience, a uh, insight into reflecting on yourself, how you're seeing yourself, ha- perhaps how you see your past and perhaps the direction of where you're going to search in the future for what you're saying is you're looking for truth, but you end up at the, at the front, at the forefront of this Christian tradition. How do you end up in the hell is literal Trump voting Republican evangelical church? Cause the Christian church is broad. Oh it's, yeah. There, there are more denominations in that than any other kind of religion. How do you end up in kind of where you are now with this interpretation of the Bible, because you've got yeah. I had the show Brad Jerzak on recently, who's who's from like the Eastern Orthodox, and their interpretation of scripture is very different and very old. And mm-hmm. so, how do you end up? How do you end up here and this and this one working for you? Yeah, so I got a Bible, and I just started reading it. I quit my job. I started reading it for hours and hours and hours a day. Google open. What is what is it? gentile mean why is there the same story of jesus four times matthew mark luke john like so what sources did you find as you open the bible this very old tradition that's shaped modern western culture and there's forty thousand different or whatever thousand different christian denominations that have specific interpretations of this text you open as like someone who's never read this book you open it, you start reading it, you're like, oh, geez, some brutal stuff back here. Oh, yeah, this Jesus guy seems pretty cool. Yeah, four times. You're Googling. When things come up, who did you find to guide you in the direction of here's what this means, here's what that means? Because yeah. within the Christian tradition, we've kind of explored it on the show quite a bit because it's it's Matt and I's kind of background. And in that same text, you know, you're coming to these texts going, oh, yeah, homosexuals are an abomination. And then I talked to a friend of the show, Keith Giles, who's like, well, actually, in the ancient culture, it was submissive dominance. It wasn't such things as this and this. So that text, really homosexuality didn't exist back then. So the text can't really be referring to it. How do you navigate such a rich, complicated, contextual yeah. book? And who did you find to guide you through that very complex process? So I didn't even know how popular Christianity was, to be honest. 
<laughs> I didn't even, I felt very alone in terms of like, because I grew up with no one really I knew. A few people on a study abroad I met who were Christian. A few people at in college I met who were like Christian, but it's very small minority. So I didn't think it was popular to believe in this stuff. I didn't think it was that. I knew it shaped history and things like that. But my quest was like, I don't want a filtered lens to see this through. I don't want to adopt a dogmatic lens if it's not based in truth. So I went deep into the scriptures myself. I went deep into reading all of Genesis, reading the whole Bible, reading the New Testament over and over and over again. When I didn't understand a word, I'd Google it and I'd read different interpretations, what people think, what the Catholic, Protestant, what the Reformed, Baptists, you know, all the different universalist percent. I wanted to know scripture, but I always was basing it every single day I would read the pure Bible. I didn't have any any books I was reading per se. It was just a few Google searches here and there. I was like, I want to know. And I felt God was leading me into that type of knowing, not just, oh, go join the local church and kind of just go on Sunday. I was like, if this is the truth, I want to now know it more completely. I want to know it more accurately as well. And I want to be able to defend it when my friends, when my family are asking when they're wondering what kind of cult I've gotten into, I want to have the knowledge. I want to be a defender of the truth. How did, I suppose, this this book shift you? Because you're coming from a, a very American, I mean, Californian, you know, culture across America changes a lot. You know, you can be Republican Christianity, which is, as an Australian, I look around at Australian Christians, you're not going to find that many Australian Christians clinging to a non-existent amendment for guns. So there's this difference with American Christianity um, or Republican Christianity. And then you've got other versions of Christian Christianity in America, which might be similar in different parts of the world. Were you, did your now reading of the Bible shift your political views or your political standings? Would you, if you didn't go down the pathway of um, Christianity, if you didn't go down that pathway, would you be at the doorstep politically of Donald Trump or were you yeah, there already? Prior. And now this is a separate, um, this is a separate journey. Way prior. And I would say it made me less attached politically. Were studied. you more in the Trump camp before or after? That's oh like yeah. 2015 when I was watching, he came to Colorado right. Boulder for a debate, debating Jeb Bush live in the primaries. I started really researching him. You were then. right there. Oh, yeah, that's when I was like, this is a very right. different man okay. than the media. And then I got a deep into the whole other investigations politically. I was very passionate. It's a very important thing to be you know, right. aware to some extent right. of politics. And yeah. the amount of corruption in the U.S., man, the amount of corruption in the U.S. government, the amount of corruption in the U.S. Mm -hmm. military that is is pretty staggering. There's got to be a reason that there's so you, much hatred for this guy. You're some kind of a, anomaly that I'm coming across. It's like I'm just imagining this almost as a stereotype, this MAGA-wearing guy being like, well, oh, this Donald Trump seems pretty interesting. But then going to like some meditations and some some crystals. You got the crystal around your neck and some Trump-like stereotypes like, what's that? I'm a Christian. You're like, oh, man, like light and love. But yeah, Trump. And so it's, a, it's yeah. yeah, it's an interesting. Um, Most Trump people I met were not necessarily the, you know, Midwest Southern archetype, okay. very normal, 
average because it's like they're the silent majority and that's kind of just what i experienced when i would meet trump people mm-hmm. but there's obviously that media i was definitely different in terms of like the new agey crystally but i knew a lot of people yeah. like that who were for trump i knew right. a lot okay. of people like that because okay. they wanted to see so actual you- corruption get destroyed and different aspects of the u.s government and the one world system yeah. that's being created the global the global governance model that they're trying to implement and the nationalism versus globalism and the players who are actually involved in the globalist model and some of their beliefs. So to pivot back to, cause I suppose I'm just trying to map, I've got your journey and some of your ideas and then kind of go, okay, where does this lead? Or what's the, what are the pieces that go into where you are now? And the denomination you're a part of, is it evangelical? Because I've been guessing this whole time. Non-denominational. Non-denominational. Protestant, yep. non-denominational. But I'm much more, uh, less, I guess, sectarian um, when okay. it comes to the core truths of Christ. The core, Because I came from, a, you know, people who grew up in the church, they're like, oh, this Baptist, that Pentecostal, this catholic and oh they're not actually real christians Mm. catholics don't believe the protestants are coming out of the church the mere awareness of who christ is as resurrected that alone is a foundational connecting element of anyone who's christian Mm. so there's a lot of division obviously within within the church but i I would call myself non-denominational but i believe in the spiritual gifts I believe in the supernatural mm. power of God, and I believe in his ability to heal today. And I believe in mm. our ability to cast out demons today, and I believe as, as a necessity, as his light on the earth, as his salt to the earth, to do these things, to help heal people, to help free people from unclean spirits who are tormented by demons. Now, Everett did a really fantastic job about mapping his journey from one worldview to another. I really appreciate that. And I'm always trying to nail down, like, what were these flashpoint moments that shifted you from here to here to here? It surprised me. A lot of my assumptions I had going in, I thought someone where he's describing kind of where Billy sounds like he is, but he was there before. So I'm like, wow, just a really cool kind of journey. But it is long. And I mean, our whole conversation goes for four hours. So this is the first time I've ever gone Listen, I know we like long form, but I don't know if Ideas Digest Friends of the Show are down for the four-hour thing. If you're nodding your head saying yes, give me the full four hours of nuance and context, then I hope you're (laughs) considering being a super friend because this is right up your alley. Anyway, I edited some of it. I don't like to do it to guests. I I like for you, friends of the show, to encounter what they're saying raw, but I did trim certain sections of the conversation to try and condense it a little bit because we're pushing the two hour mark here and that's where I start to go all right I think we gotta I think we gotta rein this in a little bit so if you want to finish that if you want to finish that story head to itisdigest.org sign up become super friend because I wanted to fit in for everyone here I wanted to fit in the pushback or I think the I think the segment I'm leaning towards calling it is like let's argue let's debate something let me let me devil's advocate for you my mode going into this was going okay here is i classify or judge him now as a conservative evangelical grade i don't know whatever label but that's the box i put him in type of christian and so i went well what's kind of the antithesis to this you get the atheist that just goes ah i don't care and the atheist doesn't care about this conversation they're just like 
whatever. Not interested. But then you've got the progressive Christian, the deconstructed Christian. Here's a guy going into the very Christianity, the conservative type of Christianity that many progressive or atheist friends of the show have left that version of Christianity. So I thought, in this argument, if that's what we're doing, I'm going to occupy that very progressive Christian. I'm really trying to channel what would a freshly deconstructed, a new atheist or a progressive Christian, what issues would they have with the worldview that Everett is really getting behind now? It's it's the where he finds truth. He's very evangelical about it. I'm pretty sure he tried to convert me a few times during our conversation. And this, he really believes it. So what is the pushback going to be? That was the angle I was trying to occupy. Tell me what you think. Some of the doctrines that you imply when you're talk the way you speak about Jesus and the Bible and the interpretations for many that would be hearing it going okay it sounds very like evangelical this guy's pro-Trump he believes in a very literal spiritual world you know many Christians believe in like these these end times like a literal Jesus coming back a literal world getting worse we've got a literal Satan posing as messianic figures deceiving people literal demons in people people would be roughly familiar with the Christian picture you paint, even though I think it probably deviates more than more than people would recognize. I want to get to, I think, what is the two categories with which people will probably struggle with what you're saying. I think they'll find your journey fascinating and interesting, uh, whether you're an atheist friend of the show or a Christian friend of the show or a deconstructed Christian friend of the show, wherever wherever we sit. And I think it comes in 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 two layers. The almost spiritual elitism, that I think you could be, not maybe you or the group you're associated with could be accused of. When when it's such a cut and dry, when the world you paint is this Jesus, the Christ, the Christian Western incarnation of this religion, when this is the one path and then everything else sits in the varying degrees of deceptive or demonic, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, various different modern takes on it like you know new new age people meditating things like that people would hear that and go okay this has got to be like spiritual colonialism this is essentially an americanized religion that's taken this brown jew from 2000 years ago and gone how does it fit within the american context and there's only one truth there's only one way and we have it and this is the pathway they could say that that thinking leads to essentially what justified going to different countries, going into Ecuador, North America, the islands, and decimating local cultures and using the it's demonic as an excuse. So when I posted on Instagram and said, hey, chatting to Everett, friend of the show, uh, I got I got a comment that I think I'll just quote a little bit of it because I think this sums up how people might be hearing what you're saying. And they'd go, Macam Nuvico on Instagram says he can't think of anything he can't think of anything more offensive than be, than calling another culture another tradition another faith being demonic and ours being the right because that formed the backbone of how England America and every other Portugal every colonial power rolling in and going that's demonic you need the christian way how would you i suppose defend some of that speak or find nuance in that or respond to Macamo there. So where's the line between being able to judge righteously on what is evil and what is good? We're going to get into a more relativistic argument, but 
If there's a culture and a society that believes sacrificing infants and sacrificing virgins is necessary for agricultural productivity, when are you willing to say that that is evil and demonic? Where's the line between what you actually believe is evil and demonic? Or are you going to call everything amazing so you can seem like some very tolerant person when you're actually allowing childs to get sacrificed if you don't actually resist that and confront that but belief? But is that a straw man? Like, is that a straw man of the... Of it wouldn't be a straw man because go, yeah, actually, you can point to ancient cultures that did do that. But then you people can also do that today. point at essentially... I think, well, are you going to point at like a current culture that's currently doing that and justifying I, it? And I going... went to Guatemala and the tour guide told me there's mm -hmm. cults up in the wilderness who still practice Mayan ritual mm -hmm. sacrifice from the traditional Mayan spiritual beliefs. And he wasn't necessarily some Christian. So it does go on today. People do believe this. Mm -hmm. there are evil people in this world who have sick you know, thoughts and motives. I wouldn't believe it's a straw man because their question was extremely generalized about me calling faiths and religions and to people's things evil and demonic. Well, there's a clear one that's clearly evil and demonic. Now I ask, where is the line between? That's where our discussion should be. Theirs was the very broad stroke mm. assumption so, about my beliefs. Well, if, if you delete these, um, per, like the edges, right, the obvious edges where we can build straw mans and you can say, well, yes, that does this. And obviously it's evil because obviously you're killing people and obviously it's children. Obviously, I think the crux of what they're saying is if you have that delineation that goes American Christianity is the pathway where truth is and all these other categories is not where truth is, how does that not scream of some level of American colonialism that can then justify hierarchy. So American Christianity in its general sense is actually very weak. American Christianity is actually in many senses far from the Bible to where it should be. Most people in America are not going to be martyred for Christ due to their conviction and the knowledge and their relationship with Christ and their understanding of the scriptures. People in Iran people in Iraq, people in Syria who follow Christ, they die. They literally get beheaded. People in China, very heavily persecuted concentration camps. They're shipping people to labor camps. They're shipping multiple religions to, to labor camps, um, Christians being one of them. Your faith has to be very strong to be able to undergo that. American Christianity, a lot of it's pop culture, self-help, we'll live a great life, have a great career. God's a tool for your success. I wouldn't say American Christianity is the answer for the soul and the only arrival at truth. Understanding who Christ is, knowing the creator as he is, I believe in the most general sense, is the proper way, which is through Christ, the embodiment of God in physical form. And I think other religions are seeking God and have good intentions in some areas, but they have faulty beliefs, especially when they don't acknowledge the truth of who Jesus Christ is. I've only got to interrupt just because I've got to drill down into, because when we use broad Christian strokes and broad Christian language of Christ and who he is, that is the splitting point of the interpretations of that Bible in yeah. which every Christian splits off because you can get the 
more progressive or what Richard Raw would argue, the more orthodox position where he would use similar language but come to a very different conclusion about what that means and how inclusive that is. So when we talk about believing in Christ and his message, are you talking about believing in this set of doctrines in this way, like reading it literally or because people could read it archetypically, like you've mentioned, and come to very different conclusions. So I'm just trying to drill you on being very specific about what you mean when you are applying these Christian phrases that even within Christianity have 10 different meanings you could take from it anyway. So I'm trying to get to what you're talking about. So what's your specific question about my belief in who Christ is? Do people have to believe in this specific kind of evangelical Western version of Christianity in order to find the truth? Does truth exist outside of this worldview or does it have to be in a literal Western Christian sense? Uh, So I don't think Western Christianity is the supreme authority. I believe that the Bible is Mm -hmm. and the interpretation of Western Christianity People in the East, like I was saying, have a deeper understanding of the Bible and the scripture than some people in the West. So that's kind of what mm-hmm. when we're talking terms here and how you perceive Western Christianity. I don't necessarily per- perceive it in the same way, perhaps, but I believe that Jesus Christ said in the Bible, it uh, accounts from people who were with him that. I came to give life, to give life abundantly. All who believe in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved, but through Jesus Christ. No one can come to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus Christ said. So I just believe the words of Jesus in that sense. You don't believe you've put an interpretation on top of that text and then are are interpreting it. Because I think so that how is would you deviation. interpret no one can come to the Father but by me and no other name under heaven by which I must be saved. Because I think what people will critique in what you're saying is from your position, you're saying, I hold the correct interpretation. And these people would point out there have been hundreds of thousands of different interpretations through the years on this and, and, brown Jewish Middle Eastern man and how we interpret it. But from what those people would say, I hold the I correct hold interpretation. Them. Those people would say, I hold the correct interpretation in saying your interpretation's wrong. There's no actual uh, uh, logical benefit from saying that because they're inherently believing they hold the correct interpretation of saying, hey, there's many different. He doesn't mean that. You know what I mean? So there's no actual like. I'm yes. seeking the correct and, interpretation. Well, they would argue the same, right? Exactly. This is, I guess, the, the standoff. Everyone goes, exactly. hey, we're all just doing our best here. But I don't think yeah. people should hate me just because I think I know that you yeah. think you know the truth in certain areas yeah. too. I might disagree well, with you on, but I don't label that as negative yeah. at you as a character trait. You know what uh-huh. I mean? You know, you're kind of saying, hey, I'm just, I'm doing my best here. And obviously we hold the positions we hold because they've helped us thus far. And this is how I'm seeing the world. And you seem like a guy that's very open to going, okay, I'm happy to sit down and wrestle with this as I think your journey illustrates. I think what it comes back to is going, you, 
we can get into the nitty gritty of what Bible verse means this, blah, blah, blah. You know, scholars spend hundreds, like their whole oh, lifetimes, yeah. you know, digging down into these texts and whatever. Then they discover a new, a new version of the book of Thomas or something that throws everything up in the air and everyone's, you know, it's an interesting space to occupy. But beyond going through that and really trying to narrow, nail this down, I like to move into the where did these beliefs lead? And I think that is the core critique I'm trying to communicate here is to go th- the critique of this worldview that does say I hold the truth. It's with how much of a closed fist do we hold that I have the truth? And that's what I was getting at with spiritual colonialism that says, if I hold the truth, then how much authority do I have to impose that truth on other people, especially when you're talking about something as potent as that is demonic. Like I had friend of the show, Sarah, a few years ago on the podcast, who's from Ecuador and spoke about how essentially Christian missionaries came into her town and took her everything about her culture, respect for nature, all these sorts of things and wholesale just going, that's demonic. Your culture's demonic. You need to assimilate to the truth, which turned out to be American Christianity. And this is the pathway. And you need to, that ancient culture that you have that connects you to your land and your ancestors or whatever, your history, that's that's not only not good, that is actively demonic. And when you label something as hard and fast and as serious as demonic, that gives license for people to go in because what's more justified than oppressing the devil? Like we should all probably go away from run from like the personified evil that 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 is the devil. So what gives more license for us to say, I hold the pathway and you are not only misled, this is demonic and therefore you are so wrong. So I think that's the critique of like, how firmly do you hold that to the point where if you're saying that's demonic, how do you feel about potentially throwing cultures into that same demonic bus? And that's back to the to the same basically point of, where is the line which a discussion has always had because you believing jesus christ didn't exist is demonic i would believe somebody murdering a child i believe is demonic Hmm. so how do you how do you delineate the word demonic can't be used in such a you know what i mean there has to be a long Hmm. discussion about the nature of its application in the context in which it's used to truly understand if that, if this is demonic, to what extent is it demonic? Clearly, you having your own belief is much different than somebody going around murdering children. And the way in which we yeah. would address that is very different because of its context. So it, it would really become that discussion that should be had uh, is why is it demonic? To what extent and how does it affect people? This is how legislation is passed. You know what I mean? How do we know that this is evil? Child molestation. Uh, you know, robbery, theft, what level of punishment is required? What should, how much should we incentivize and de-incentivize this behavior? Legislation, this is, this is discussions over generations on these different things. Taking someone's clothes because it's African culture and has colorful clothing and we wear suits and ties and telling you have to wear suits and ties because, you know, that's God and Jesus Christ, you have to be saved through that. And it's completely ridiculous. And you have to wear a suit and tie to go to church. Well, no, actually, the Bible talks about don't give more partiality to those who are, you know, finely dressed, but to those who, you know, 
have potentially rags and tears on their clothes, but they have a pure heart. You don't give them the better seat in the synagogue. Like the true principles of the, the righteousness that Christ actually spoke about should be discussed and applied in a very, uh, uh, you know, considerated approach and in a very, not just as massive, you know, just wrecking ball type thing. A lot of your work is talking about the demonic new age, these these new practices or these Hindu practices or Buddhist practices or modern or just drug use in general and, and these sorts of things. And you're going, this is demonic. You're calling this stuff out as demonic. I suppose what we have is, so as I push back and go, okay, America's God's problems too. Like why are we, you know, why are we pointing out like American Christianity? Let's just look at like pastors in churches and systems of power and how churches are used to oppress certain groups of people, the treatment of women in churches, the treatment of gay people in churches. Like we can look at problems wherever we sort of find them. And I don't necessarily get the idea that you're, that you're saying, oh, it's, it's perfect over here and I'm just casting stones over there. My question then on that would be convince me that I only have limited attention span. You only have limited time to make videos and YouTube and, and speak in churches about stuff. Convince me that this new age, this what you're calling this demonic stuff, is more of a problem than perhaps some of the problematic Christian beliefs in America, some of the problematic Christian political beliefs, some of the, the, the treatment of, say, women in churches or the, you know, the, the structures of power, you know, you take Mark Driscoll, Driscoll as an example, structures of power, he just essentially was an abusive leader who abused a lot of people in a lot of different ways, um, pastors cheating on their wives, all those sorts of things. Like someone would critique, okay, this is a power structure that Christianity has. It's inherently a problem. Convince me, as I contrast lots of different problems out there, convince me that this new age one is worth more effort or attention or time or is more demonic or is worse convince me that i should probably be more worried about this new age stuff than potentially some of the other things that you yeah you'd admit would be a problem well i think what it would boil down to that i'd like to address is you know tell tim tebow to focus on um a different issue rather than playing football some people are called to different things, even though their beliefs might obviously say, I'm not going to convince you on that. Obviously, I would agree in a certain amount of what you're saying. I'm not going to convince you just because I'm not posting videos, just because my career, just because what I do in my time doesn't necessarily speak about that issue. Go convince the person who's working at the grocery store to go tell them to start talking about that. Go tell them to completely change their life and what they might feel called to. Someone who's really into one small niche area that they feel called to, that, is, that issue isn't as big as this. Go change your whole life path. Like, I think you can kind of like, it might be kind of too broad stroke to assume that just because their niche on their focus and what they might have gone through and they're, they're focusing on this area, that their heart doesn't have the beliefs as well just because they're not you know, producing it in that way. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't convince you of that. I think there's been atrocities that people have done that are not, you know, godly whatsoever, are not Christ-like whatsoever. And just because my YouTube channel might not highlight all of these things, but might connect more to part of my new age journey and some of the spiritual aspects and the people I see in this who are seeking truth, who really want to know the truth, and they're really seeking the truth, but they they, they can't. And then 
demonic influence. And then right when they come to Christ, right before literally casting spirits out of them and seeing countless transformation after transformation and live change and family restored and all these things of something that people think is just so love and light when really it's not in what I've experienced and trying to bring light to that. I don't think that necessarily makes me somehow bad for not talking about other bad things that might be happening in the world, you know, on my YouTube channel or in a public, you know, sense, you know what I mean? I think there are specific callings, different members of the body, as Jesus talks about, that have specific purposes. And that's kind of my uh, my perception of it, because mm -hmm. I've seen the bad elements, I've seen my, my experience involved in it. And although I do uh, also talk a lot about just defending Christianity in a more intellectual approach and a studied researched approach not all just new age stuff and people who think oh all crystals are mnemonic it's like what are you talking about the mm -hmm. crystals are literally mentioned in the bible as being in the holy city the new jerusalem in heaven they're on the breastplate of the priests and mm -hmm. like crystals are not demonic oh well, crystals can be charged uh, with demons yes i actually believe they can be charged with demons but mm -hmm. potentially anointed as well Paul had unusual miracles where handkerchiefs were healing people. So objects can contain an anointing. And I believe they could be anointed for good too, potentially. Like, I don't think it's so black and white. All oh, crystals are demonic. What do you mean? They're beautiful. God made them. They can be used in artistic people's kitchen islands made out of granite and beautiful stone. Like, it's not demonic, but people take it to that. And I bring people out of that. I bring people out of that religious thinking, that religious mindset, that very legalistic approach and saying, hey, Look at the actual Bible, do your research and not this kind of 100% fear. Mm. Yes, there's a healthy fear. If bro, you're about to get hit by a car, I'm gonna scream at you, get out of the way, scream. I'm gonna get you as fearful as possible to get out and you're, boom, you don't get hit by the car. So there's a healthy fear. People take it over the top. Other people don't give any and it hurts people. So I just am uh, feeling called to a specific thing that I believe needs to be addressed and isn't being addressed by a lot of people, the spiritual dangers of these drugs. And I see a lot of lives mm -hmm. destroyed by it. Friends of mine that even talking about it, mm -hmm. I can feel in my heart, the sadness and the darkness and the sadness of people seeking that and actually getting negatively influenced and people's parents coming to me all the time who not even Christians. But since I'm talking about these psychedelics, I'm talking mm -hmm. about these experiences, they're, they've gone mad and they've gone into it. They've, they've, disconnected from their family and they go into this whole different mode of thinking. And I know what they're thinking because I was going down that. I saw that. And it was, it just, mm -hmm. it brings no positive fruit and, and true joy and freedom and fulfillment to somebody's life and seeing people come out of that. What if, what if people hearing you going, Everett, I know I've been through it. I believed exactly what you believed. And I was part of a structure that, judged more people. I was more judgmental. I was part of a structure that put women below men in, in certain roles in life. And I didn't enjoy that. I was a part of a structure that vilified a vulnerable group of community. It took trans people and gay people and used them as political chips to, to win elections. Like I, I just, I, I know what you believe, but my experience within it, it didn't lead me to the things you're talking about. It didn't lead me to more openness, more love, more inclusion, more acceptance. And that's why they left and they hear it, but they're never, they, they can't come back into that, into that church, that structure where sin is defined as 
moral failings and they can't come back into that structure where we look at someone's life and we go, okay, you've done this wrong. That's a sin and the devil's in there and you need to go to a pastor in this patriarchal structure where men kind of sit at the top and women must kind of be below it because the Bible says so. I can't come back into that. what, What do you say to that person? So the pushback actually keeps going and it goes on for quite some time. I finished the pushback section for maybe another half an hour or another 20 minutes of me pushing back. But then we go into something I haven't done before. I thought Everett's a nice guy. He's really open with his time. He loves a good conversation. Oh, would you look at that? So do I. So we actually went on for another two hours. And in that, I'm actually very honest and I'm pushing back and we're kind of going back and forth there. The conversations that I don't really like doing on the show because I think they're you know, you get into the mode of trying to convince someone of something else, but I thought, hey, this would be interesting. Super friends might appreciate this conversation. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you'll get that if you become a super friend. A super friend. I found this a fascinating, enlightening conversation, not because of the worldview necessarily that he's presenting. I've been around the Christian worldview a lot. I feel like I understand a lot of both sides um, of the deconstructing journey. And then him going into it was a really unique perspective, which I enjoyed. But what I found in one of those questions towards the end there, the one where I pushed him and said, why should I care about this? You're pointing out all the issues with this new age barley movement, this new age alternate religion, this new age find yourself, eat, pray, love kind of thing. He's really critiquing that. And I, I push him and, I, and I'm asking, as you heard, Convince me I should care about this because a lot of people, a lot of people on the podcast already have said this church is toxic. It's really um, the church you're defending, the church, the church that you're doing apologetics for. This causes so much harm. And this really brought to my attention bias and what I really think I'm coming to understand what that word means. Bias really is the issues that you focus on. And what I'm saying to him is saying, well, you're conservative because you think you're spending your time critiquing this aspect of society, the progressive aspect of society, the people that have left the church and have left the truth in there. And you're saying, hey, you won't find there's problems in the psychedelic movement. There's problems with using substances. You're, you're critiquing that. So therefore, that makes you a conservative and progressives do the inverse they critique well there's all these problems in the church and all these sorts of sorts of things and and i found it really interesting he was i I saw a lot of his humanity when he was just saying well this has been my journey this is what i'm seeing as a problem i'm seeing people fall into maybe some of the same traps i fell in and all i'm trying to do is really help this group of people with the thing that i'm seeing as an issue and is personally attached to me so it just opened my eyes to bias really being the issues that we think are most important you can debate whether something is true or not and bias i suppose can block your ability to see whether something is true or not when someone presents you data and you're saying no no that's not true because of this because it you know you have that bias there but let's say that the critiques the conservatives offer the liberals and the liberals offer the conservatives let's say that they're all valid and they're all true and they all have good enough data backing it up. What bias, that level of bias that I noticed there is going, well, what do I think is the most important? And it could be very true and the issues that he's pointing out could be very true as well. But my bias is going to say, you know what? I think this is a bigger issue than that. And that was just an interesting insight into 
that level of bias that I would have. I would say, you know what, the issues I think are the most important are these ones. And they then they place me in this tribe and this political group. Whereas the other person saying, no, I think these are the most important. So it drew to my attention, the issues that we emphasize are our bias. The issues that w- are personally attached to us that we think are the most important expose our bias show our perspective of what we think is important and we're really passionate about it because it's personally attached to us. So I really liked his response to that saying, hey, this has been my journey. This is where I've come from. I'm just being open and honest about that. And, you know, there could be something more important out there, but that's just not where I've ended up. So this episode's already really long. I won't keep talking. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch everybody in the next episode. If people want to catch up with you, what you're doing, um, and how to stay in contact with you, how can they do that? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram or just message me on Instagram if you have any questions. Uh, Everett Roth, you just type it in. My YouTube channel is Everett Roth as well. It's very new age related, but hey, in this conversation, you might have seen that I am interested in a lot of different things and I have a lot of different thoughts and we're both on this journey. Um, we're all on this journey and I respect, Conrad, your you're the 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 really the ministry per se of seeking truth and everything that you have going on the podcast and i know there's a lot of different topics that can be investigated more and uh i just yeah i I definitely have a different coming to christ than i guess a lot of other guests per se and like i'm still new to a lot of per se people who've been hurt by the church and have different things and i'm growing in my fullness Mm. and understanding and um but I can't get over the undeniable fact of of Jesus's true love, power, and holiness 